Central Appalachia now has an opera company. App Opera, a new regional opera company, was formed by two Emory & Henry College professors. The opera debuts its first performance this Friday, December 3rd. The production, A Mall and the Night Visitors, is an opera with a Christmas message. This free event begins at 7.30 p.m. in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts at Emory & Henry College. The public, however, is encouraged to show up at 6.45 p.m. for some pre-entertainment and also some free refreshments, which are provided in the lobby of the McLaughlin Center. We are joined today by Jessica Spafford, one of the founders of App Opera and Assistant Artistic Director for A Mall and the Night Visitors. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Derek. Happy to be here. Let's start this conversation by talking about App Opera. Uh, what has been the response from the public or from the people you've invited to participate since you began this effort? Well, it's actually been really exciting. We have a number of people in the Tri-Cities region from a variety of different academies of music. Um, some of our students here, of course, at Emory, local community members. Um, we have people from the Virginia Highlands Ballet. And so it's been so exciting. Um, Rachel Helton's Academy of Music in Bristol and Ivy Blair's Blair Academy down in Johnson City. Um, just everyone has been so excited that we've started this and that this production is happening. Um, and so it's really exciting to be a part of something that's bringing so many different groups together. And it's just wonderful and fulfilling to work with so many fellow artists. So how did this whole idea begin? Was I believe it might have been um, the brainchild of Josh Boggs as your artistic director, or am I wrong about that? Yeah, I mean, it was an idea where he believed that we needed this sort of art form in this area. And as um, I knew that I was coming into this position at Emory, we started talking about it more and more. Um, how could we make this possible? And yes, so Josh, from the artistic standpoint and being um, here uh, first and realizing that there was a need for this in our community, um, was his idea. Um, and then I think maybe feeling more comfortable with me coming along to be able to do the staging um, aspect and, and more of that, um, you know, sets, props, costumes side of things as well. Um, so yeah, this is a, a joint effort between the two of us. Um, and so it's been really going great. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> all those organizations you mentioned, they all have vocal talent that you can draw from? Yes, vocal talent, as well as um, the Virginia Highlands Ballet. We have dancers that are coming in, um, and a number of them as well have um, uh, instrumental colleagues and connections and things like that um, that are coming to help us out um, as musicians in the show as well. Does this complement the regional vocal music community, do you think, or is, it, or is there something else like it in the vocal community? As far as I know, and I've only been here since the very beginning of August, mm -hmm. um, there's not really a regional opera company. And so I think it's really great to come alongside and partner with, um, we also have, you know, people from the Barter Theater, you know, to, so to partner with um, theater folks and dancers and um, students and people looking for this kind of outlet for this opportunity. Um, and so um, there are, you know, musical theater performances, there are play performances, there's ballet, there's the Symphony of the Mountains, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but to actually have something that is um, 
championing, championing this art form, I think is is new here. You would have to travel basically to uh, Knoxville or Asheville to to get an opera company. Well, you're a vocal musician. You know then that opera is a different kind of uh, vocalization. Are the people, the musicians, the vocal musicians in this area prepared or can they be prepared for opera? Yes, I believe so. Absolutely. Um, Rachel Helton is playing the lead, the mother, um, in the production that we're doing, and she's phenomenal um, with degrees from Indiana University, um, which is a really you know high-level school for music, um, and a number of others that are coming along with us as well. So I think one of <clears throat> App Opera's missions is to find that talent and to create that outlet and then to show this area that opera is actually more accessible than they might think. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly confident that you'll find the talent or the people who are interested in singing opera. I'm wondering about the audience in this area. Are you confident that you're going to find acceptance among theater goers and other people who go to the ballet and the other areas of the arts? performances, will they have an interest in opera as well? Well, that's our hope, and it's our goal to show that to them. So, you know, I guess my biggest thing would be, like, come out and check it out if you're not sure. At least give us a chance. Um, but I'm hoping that with there, – there are so many other artists in this region, which is so fantastic, and I'm a, a major, you know, art – supporting art, you know, sort of person. Um, and so I know that we have um, – people here that, you know, as they're coming out and being involved, if they can promote and tell their friends and, you know, help us out, um, get this started, we, we do really um, anticipate that people will want to come and at least be curious about this. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> what You mentioned goals. What are the goals of App Opera? Is it just to en- enhance the music community with opera? Or do you have larger goals in terms of maybe broader performances than the one that you're going to be doing on December 3rd? Is it uh, raising awareness? Is it all of that? Yeah. um, So right now we're trying to just introduce opera and get people to understand, you know, just kind of tap their foot in the water um, Mm -hmm. and to get curious about it. Um, But overarching goals, certainly, um, I think I, I often teach a music appreciation class at the various schools I've taught at, and there are so many misconceptions about opera Um, that it's only for rich people or Mm -hmm. that it's always in another language or, you know, it's just always going to be inaccessible. And all of those things are not true. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they also believe that opera is not being composed anymore. That's not true either. (laughs) I mean, there's an opera out there about the TV show Sister Wives. Um, So um, there's a ton of opera in English. And the one that we're doing in December is in English. The show that we also intend to do in the spring, which will be Pirates of Penzance by Mm -hmm. Gilbert and Sullivan, is also in English. Um, And so we are trying to show... um, people that this is accessible um, and trying to um, dispel the dis- socioeconomic um, sometimes uh, stereotype that comes along with opera. I mean, we're doing this, you know, it's free. Um, mm-hmm. Come in jeans, be comfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I think that we have these overarching goals to uh, long term, uh, once people are understanding and open to it, that maybe we can start doing some shows um by local artists, by living composers that we can commission works from about issues that are um, really prevalent here, especially in the Appalachian region. What was the course of your interest in opera? How did you begin your passion for it? Well, this is kind of a funny story, I suppose. Um, I had, uh, you know, done choir and musicals in high school, and I grew up in a very small rural town in Pennsylvania on a dirt road. Um, (laughs) And uh, I went to college actually for microbiology. 
um, which is one of my undergraduate degrees, um, that I wanted to stay involved in music because I realized how much of an impact it had on my education and on my life and my ability to work with others um, and to create a work ethic for myself and, and find acceptance among a really great community. Um, and so I um, was in the choir in my college, and the choir director was also the opera director. And anyway, long story short, convinced me to come over to the dark side um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, join opera. And so I ended up picking up a, a music major as well. So I double majored I um, there through undergrad. And so uh, when I first started taking vocal lessons, though, I had never had you know any experience with this. I was like, what is opera? Like, I only knew musical theater. Um, and so it, it's really been a, a long-term love that now I've, I've fallen in, I've, I have fallen in love with and, uh, really, really enjoy. What are some of the operas in which you've performed and some of the roles that you've had? Um, well, that's been really fun. Uh, I am what's called a coloratura soprano. So I specialize in kind of all the really fast, high fireworks types uh, of, <laughs> of music. Um, many of the things you hear on commercials, like the infamous Queen of the Night aria. Um, so I've played Queen of the Night a number of times in Germany and some of the German <laughs> opera houses. Um, I've also played um, Susanna in The Marriage of Figaro. Um, love Candide. I get to play Kunigonde in that show, um, as well as like Musetta in La Boheme. And so those are some of my major operatic roles. But I will say, as artists, we have to be versatile. So I've also professionally done Belle in Beauty and the Beast mm -hmm. and Carrie Pipperidge in Carousel. And um, so I think it's really awesome that students can learn both things and learn about their voice in many different ways. Well, we're going to learn more about Amal and the Night Visitors after this short break. I've been talking today with Jessica Spafford. She is the Associate Artistic Director for App Opera, a new opera company that has formed in the Tri-Cities region. She's also a professor of music at Ever and Henry College. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this performance of Amal and the Night Visitors, which is December 3rd at 7.30 p.m. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to community and economic development in Southwest Virginia. You are also listening to WHC 90.7, The Voice of Southwest Virginia. WEHC and Emory and Henry football comes from Greco's, offering fresh made-from-scratch dishes seasoned with distinct Mediterranean spices. Proud to bring the taste of our home to yours. Serving Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee with locations in Abingdon and Johnson City and offering discounts to all Emory and Henry students and staff. Menu and more information at getgreco's.com. Greco's Grill and Cafe, proud supporters of Emory and Henry football. Eat differently at Greco's.
Support for WEHC comes from Snow's Fine Meats and Provisions, a neighborhood butcher shop in downtown Abingdon specializing in locally sourced pasture-raised proteins, handmade deli items, and specialty goods. Open Tuesday through Saturday and online at Snow's Fine Meats, 160 East Main Street, Abingdon. Snow's Fine Meats, bringing the old-fashioned butcher shop experience to your table. I heard the boys of a pork shop say, come on, to me and rest. Well, you talk about your stewing beans, I know what's the best. Support for Together to Get There comes from People Incorporated, one of the largest community action agencies in the country. For 55 years, People Incorporated has helped communities and individuals build good futures and realize their dreams. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am speaking with Jessica Spafford. She is the Associate Artistic Director for App Opera, a new opera company in our region. And today are looking forward to a performance on December 3rd at 7.30 p.m. of Amal and the Night Visitors. And Jessica, I'm going to have you describe the plot for this opera. Sure. Um, Amal and the Night Visitors... Um is actually uh, a one-act opera in English, so it's only about 45 minutes long. And the story is about Amal, who is a young boy living with his mother um, about the time of Christ's birth. Um, and he is uh, very poor, as is she. Try- she is struggling with trying to find a way to provide for him. Um, he also has a, a disability, um, and so he has a hard time getting around, um, and this inhibits some of the work and, and ability to make money. Um, so they are in this very impoverished state um, and are about to have to be destitute and even lose, lose their home. Um, and uh, so one night, Amal is outside, and he sees this very bright star, and he's trying to convince his mother to come check it out. And next thing you know, they have a knock on the door, and it happens to be the three wise men who are on their way to see the Christ child following this star. And so the plot of the story is the interaction between Amal and the mother and the kings um, and ultimately becomes, as we say, a redemption story within a redemption story. Have you had any association with this opera before as a performer or a director? Oddly enough, no. I have had so many friends and and other people, you know, direct it and do it. I've seen it a number of times, but um, actually, the the lead character of the mother is really for a, a lower soprano voice or mezzo soprano, um, and so that wouldn't really have ever suited me. Um, but I'm so excited to actually get to direct it, having seen so many renditions of it. And originally, the opera was one of the first operas ever written for television in 1951. So it wasn't written for the stage. Um, And so watching the original production and then other stage productions, it's been nice to have a variety of ideas that I can now implement. 
Well, now, how big is the cast? We have about 22 members. And um, what are some of the key roles and who are playing those roles? So the um, mother is being played by Rachel Helton. Um, we have uh, Amal, the young boy, is being played by Lottie Gendel. Um, the page uh, to the kings is being played by Anna Beacon. And then our three kings, the three wise men, are Dave Carroll, uh, Jonathan Griffin, and Mason Evans. What are the challenges of directing something like this? Because you're probably directing not only voice and the use of their voices, but also their acting. Right. Um, And so one of the things with opera that tends to be a little bit different than musical theater is that usually operatic voices are not miked. um, And the nature, uh, the way in which they are singing tends to be heftier. And because of that, you, you don't move, you know, you're not running around doing leaps and dances and doing all these sorts of things that are a little bit more accessible um, when you're singing in a musical theater style. And even then, you obviously Mm. have to have talent and be well trained um, for that sort of thing. But I have to uh, be aware that when I am doing that stage direction, that I'm being cognizant of what it is that they're physically having to do um, to create those sounds. And so being aware of when I can have them move freely, lay Mm -hmm. down or sit down or, you know, whatever it is that I'm having them do, I I have to be aware of that. Um, So, you know, that's always just something that a director has to take into account. Um, But uh, it's just a really neat little production. And so I'm not feeling that I'm having any challenges, but uh, more so just fun. So does this opera present for any one of the vocalists any particular vocal challenge that you have to be aware of, anything different than other operas would? Well, uh, Lottie uh, playing Amal, um, such a young singer and a young voice, it's always uh, played by um, a, a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a child singer sing opera is something that you know we want to be very aware of, that we are being um, kind to the voice, that we're being thoughtful about technique and production, and that we're not fatiguing the instrument because obviously it's not nearly fully developed to the way that an adult voice would be. Um, and so that's just one of the challenges, but Lottie's handling this phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's something that's different. You don't always have young, you know, like child singers involved in opera. Is it going to be complicated, not just directing a child, but directing others as they work with the child? Um, sometimes, um, it depends on, you know, their previous experience, um, in that kind of way. Um, but I, I don't really think that it's a, a challenge, um, I pretty much approach, you know, it the same way with love and kindness and, you know, why we're doing what we're doing and finding the motivation behind the actions, I think is the most important thing. Um, but there are lots of other children actually involved in the shepherds and shepherdesses chorus um, that come in too. And so I think there's a really nice element of um, varying levels of age here. And so it's very family friendly. And I think it really also, um, there's a sense of community that is, you know, just beyond the adults, but there's a warmth and innocence, you know, that children bring to the production. What are some of the songs that are perhaps most popular or the songs that you most appreciate? Well, Amal's really interesting in this way. There are some operas where you have a standalone aria that, you know, people will do for auditions or something like that, that everybody knows. And for the most part, Amal is just straight through composed. And so we don't actually have a lot of those moments of Mm -hmm. these standalone arias by title. Um, Certainly not in the score. They're not named that way. Um, But there is a lovely uh, moment. um, I guess we could kind of refer to the aria as all that gold that Rachel has as the mother um, that is stunning. Um, there's a beautiful trio that the kings sing as well. Um, so are these really great moments, but it's so fluid, um, which is why the pace of the show also 
just, you know, moves along so quickly. I imagine people are, are going to come and be so taken with it that they, they won't realize time has passed by the time it's over. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is being set in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts. Yes. What do you find helpful about being in that venue? Oh, what an amazing space. It's so great to sing in. Um, uh, you know, mic'd or unmiked, but in this case, most people are unmiked. And so it's just a really acoustically friendly space. Um, also, it's just um, well-maintained and it's, it's um, everything that we need is there. It's very accessible. Uh, um, it's nice to not have that worry all the time about, can we get in or out of the space? Is this going to work? Is that going to work? Um, and so it's really nice to be able to have our set and design and lighting design and everything, um, as well as like dressing rooms and all those sorts of things, just really accessible. So it's comfortable for the actors. Um, I have been in some spaces before where, you know, you might be doing a great production, but you have two feet backstage and everybody's huddled <laughs> together and, you know, that sort of thing. And so this is a really lovely space that creates that sort of calm for the performance. Performers. Now, you're trying to create a, a broader experience with this performance that sort of extends into the lobby. I think you have some music planned uh, for people as they are coming into the performance or allowing them to linger a little bit before they go into the theater. Uh, explain what you're doing there. Absolutely. Um, since the show itself is just a 45-minute one-act, we wanted to um, make this really a Christmas event and make it accessible, um, make it fun, um, and for people to just really come and relax and mm -hmm. enjoy themselves um, post-Thanksgiving, the crazy rush of the holidays and just sort of enjoy taking a moment of taking that spirit in. And so um, around 645 in the lobby, we will be having um, some refreshments. There'll be food and drink as well as um, some music, Christmas mm -hmm. music from live performers that will be out there in the lobby um, doing some favorites and, and things like that. So please come enjoy, mill around the beautiful space and, uh, and then, you know, just kind of get in the mood for the show. Yes, it's important to note that although the show begins at 7.30 p.m., you are starting really at 6.45 with some lobby performances and refreshments. And so it becomes a much longer and a much more pleasant Christmas experience. Let's talk about then um, where you want to go next. You mentioned that in the spring you're hoping to do Pirates of Penzance. Yes. Uh, why that opera and when are you hope to do this? What Do you have a date selected for it? Game plan is late May. I don't know that we have an exact date yet. Um, we're having to coordinate that with a, a few people and, and, you know, locations and that sort of thing. But we will definitely be advertising auditions. We would love for people to come out for this. Um, why Pirates of Penzance? Well, first of all, um, uh, it's just a beloved show. Um, it's really fun and hilarious. I mean, that's sort of the, the whole Gilbert and Sullivan um, appeal. Um, and the music is really lovely. So again, it really is operetta. Um, so we're also trying to ease people into, you know, really uh, full-on opera. And so, the, uh, but in this sense, in operetta, they are still singing in a classical style. Mm -hmm. It isn't musical theater. Um, but this is a really fun production that is probably just, I think people will really like. It's funny. It's accessible. Um, and so why that show? Um, also because we can involve more people mm -hmm. and we want we want people to come and be involved in this. So we're very the more the merrier um, right now. And so I, we hope people will, will turn out and want to be involved. Well, what kind of schedule do you hope to eventually have for, with performances once a year, twice a year, four times a year? Do you, have you given that much thought? 
Absolutely. Um, so the game plan is to generally do a smaller production in the fall and a larger production in the spring. Um, we're also wanting to do uh, smaller shows here and there as well, um, maybe little chamber operas that we can perform in venues around Kingsport and Johnson City, Bristol, Abingdon, um, that sort of thing. Maybe it's we pair with the Springhouse and do this at the Cidery. Um, they so graciously hosted us um, uh, a week or so ago. Um, and so we're hoping to do those sorts of things. So fall and spring um, with that nature of an idea. But we also, in the summer, are going to be doing a week-long intensive. So for um, like freshman and sophomore college students or junior and, and seniors in high school to come and work with professionals here. Um, and they'll put on a little production at the end of that week, um, check out the area, do some hiking. Um, and so this, um, we're hoping that people come, you know, from across the country for this as well, local as well as beyond to get to know our region. Uh, and so we're hoping to also create exposure um, for this part of Southwest Virginia um, to other places. And so we will be doing um, a summer workshop as well. Well, that is what I wanted to talk about earlier when we were talking about your goals. You and Josh Boggs are both music professors at Emory & Henry College. What does having this opera company mean for uh, the educational efforts that you're making at Emory & Henry, and what does it perhaps mean for Emory & Henry in total? Well, so for Emory and Henry, um, there's been a longstanding choral tradition, which is wonderful. And I will also be doing the opera workshop scenes in the spring. Um, but we also have a phenomenal theater department. And it's great to work with those faculty as well who have also been assisting us. Um, uh, so it's been wonderful and collaborative. But we are hoping for Emory and Henry to, you know, maybe we can grow um grow our presence uh, from the music department side, the theater department as well, um, but they, they do have a little bit more of a presence right now, and so it's our goal to um, start to promote that, start to show people the quality of music that we do here at Emory and & Henry, um, and and also, you know, just, just build for the community and the area a place um, where they can come and experience something like this. Jessica Spafford is a professor of music at Emory and Henry College. She is also the associate artistic director for App Opera, a new opera company that she and her colleague Josh Boggs have started in the region. They will be performing on December 3rd, a performance of A Mall and the Night Visitors. That performance begins at 7.30 p.m. in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts, but it is preceded by a wonderful evening of lobby entertainment and refreshment that begins at 6:45. thank you jessica so much for the information that you're providing about the app opera and about the performance on december 3rd thank you so much for having me dirk it's been wonderful we hope to see you there you bet and i'll remind those who are interested in attending the opera that they uh, for more information about tickets they should go to arts at ehc.edu you have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore. You have also been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening. <laughs>